Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Davina Shinsky, and you're listening to Live Without Limits, Dreams Come True with the Right Mindset. And it's coming to you from the Blog Talk Radio Network. And today's presentation is the top three self-help books you need to check out. And then I'm going to talk about some others, but I want to at least tell you about the top three that are currently available because there are a number of ones that really influence the self-help industry that come from the latter part of the 20th century. You can go all the way back to the ancient Roman times and find what now is called self-help literature aimed to help men and women improve some aspect of their lives. In fact, there were conduct guides written for women all the way back to the Middle Ages, teaching them how they ought to look and behave. Today, the self-help industry is a multi-billion dollar industry with at least 2,000 new self-help books yearly. Books keep coming because people are generally interested in the self-help movement. They want to improve themselves as well as experience less pain and more happiness. Self-help gurus promise to do just that with their tips, tricks, and strategies. Whether you want to become more confident, have a better relationship, manage your money better, or lose that extra weight and get into shape. Self-help books have proven to add significant value to many lives. But what if you don't have time to read a plethora of books? You may wonder what the top books in the self-help improvement industry will give you the biggest bang for your buck. While there are different opinions regarding the top self-help books out there, many can agree that the following three self-help books have been read by millions and have changed many lives. Now, what I want to do is go and talk about the industry as it really took shape back in the 60s, because that's when transactional analysis became a modality and started by Eric Byrne, and then you had psychodrama, 
And let me explain the difference. In psychodrama, it's like taking a scene from your personal life that happened to you in the past that caused a traumatic feelings and emotions. You have your alter ego that stands behind you, and that person will express or say things that you may not be expressing. And then you have other people who take over the roles so that what you're doing is you're working out through a scene or script that you're writing to overcome the inner demons that you have. And in transactional analysis, it's really the predecessor to what is known as the laws of attraction of today. But here's the thing. You have the parents, you have the adults, and you have the child. The child says, I want. That's your inner child talking of all the things that you want. Then you've got your parent who's trying to teach you the right things, and they'll always tell you, you should. And all the things that you should be able or should do or think. Then you have the adult. And that person says, I'm able to win. These are all the things that you believe that you're able to do. The thing is that if you are being given a lot of negativity, what's happening? Then those are the things that you're internalizing in your head. And because you heard them over and over and over again so many times, what happens is they become thoughts that you have that you honestly believe and will keep repeating. And then what are you doing? You're keeping yourself from succeeding. You're keeping yourself from setting goals. You're keeping yourself from achieving all those things that you truly believe in. And that's something that is known as head trash. And what it's doing is it's all those negative thoughts that you're having. And, and then you all, in transactional analysis, if you take and you list all the things that you want, then you take and list all the things that your parents told you you should do. Then you take and list all the things that you really believe that you're able to do. Well, what happens? That's when you're going to see your complex. That's when you can see where the things that you've been told and the things that you believe that you're able to do are what's holding you back. And then, as they say in the laws of attraction, if you take those things and turn them around and make them affirmations and make them expressions where you're literally telling yourself you can achieve whatever you want or how you achieve it, then what are you doing? You're really turning around and getting rid of some of that head trash. And in transactional analysis, there's a book known as Scripts People Read Live by Thomas Gordon. And if you think about it, as Many years ago, I could be 
remember someone saying, my son the doctor, my son the lawyer. I think one of them did become a doctor. The other one just couldn't even get into law school and be actually became a, a mental health counselor. But the thing is, here's what's going on. Instead of letting a, your child be what they want to be and letting them express what their interests are, the parent wants to relive their dreams and hopes on the child with the idea of achieving something they couldn't achieve themselves. And that's simply because what's going on? Well, here's the thing. Their parents basically scripted them as to what their goals are. Because if you remember, back in the 18th and the 19th century, women were totally owned by the, their husbands and the, the men. And if they sexually assaulted them, if they hid them away and, and abused them or used them, it was not thought of as any problem. The thing is that in modern day times here in the 21st century, when we look back on those times, we have our own prejudice on what we're seeing and we're hearing because we're more aware of what's going on today and that women are more equal because they're going out and holding jobs. The difference is that back then, women really depended on men. And I know someone that she was so bitter and so angry at her brother. Why? Because instead of the father leaving her money, he left it all to the son. And she didn't realize that Back in those times, when women got married, they were dependent on their husbands for financial security. And so the parent left the money to the son to help him have a comfortable life and give it to his family. Because at that time, it was the man who went out to work, and the woman stayed home and took care of the children and took care of the home and saw to it that it was clean and the meals were cooked, things like that. So understanding where all of this comes from can really help you. And there's a story in there that's known as the fuzzy tale. And I actually have the whole story, but here I'm just going to condense it because it's a mother, it's a father, it's a son, and it's a daughter. And what they did was they would go out and give warm fuzzies as though they were no tomorrow. Then a witch comes along, and she gets very bitter and very jealous. And she goes to them, and she whispers in their ear that if they keep giving out warm fuzzies, they're going to run out. So the family hoards the warm fuzzies and stops giving them out. And they notice that the town is slowly starting to die. So then they start giving out false fuzzies and cold pricklies. And if you think about it, back during World War II, when a lot of children were, were put in orphanages, what happened? They would get marasmus and shrivel up and die. So 
what happened was that was why they started giving out the cold pricklies and the false fuzzies. But eventually a hip woman comes along and sees what's happening in the family. And she goes to them and she says, you can continue to give out warm fuzzies because they will never run out. And what happens? They start giving out warm fuzzies again and the tail starts to thrive and grow. So in essence, if you encourage someone, if you support them, if you believe in them, they're going to thrive. But if you're constantly bombarding them with all negative statements and all negativity, what's happening? They're going to shrill up because they're going to lose their ability to set goals, to believe in themselves, to work towards something, and to, to feel that feeling inside of them that they're worth something. And it's just, we don't realize just how important those things are to the life that we live. Now, the three top books in self-improvement, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill wrote this book, Think and Grow Rich, back in 1937. Estimates come in that 80 million sales have been made since that time. If you're after the science of personal development and success, this is a must read. Napoleon wasn't just your average self-help enthusiast. He was dedicated to learning all that he could from some of the best self-help gurus and at that time, he learned many of his lessons from some of the most successful millionaires at the time, including Henry Ford, Andrew Carnegie, and Thomas Edison. Napoleon spent decades studying what makes people successful. As though he wrote some other books, he condensed his knowledge into this book, Think and Grow Rich, and sales took off and haven't stopped to this day. Napoleon covers 17 different principles of success in the book, each principle just as important as the other. At the very heart of his message is the reality that thoughts matter. If you want success, the very first thing you'll need to look at is your thought life and mindset. When you want success, you line your thoughts to align with that success. You feel as if you're already achieved this, that success and as a law that success will manifest sooner than later. So Think and Grow Rich is a must-read for everyone. Man is from Mars and Women are from Venus by John Gray. As you probably know, when you're not happy in your relationship, you have not to be happy 
for yourself. Sure, we're all responsible for our own level of happiness, but let's not be naive as to think that relationships don't have an influence on that personal happiness level. John Gray wrote the classic relationship book more than 25 years ago and has sold over 50 million copies. He teaches a great deal on the differences between a man and a woman. He tells his readers that when you can learn about the opposite sex, you're more likely to have a healthy relationship. Now, you might think that a relationship book might not be as a top book on self-improvement, but the number of sales indicate that people are intrigued about the dynamics of relationships and need people and need some help with the divorce rate hovering around 50%. There's no denying the fact that self-help relationship books are necessary. In fact, according to CNN, this was one of the top books in self-improvement in the 1990s. And before I get into the last one, what I want to talk about is this, that back in the day when women were abused, whether sexually or physically by men, no one stood up to them and no one did anything. And I know several people who both ended up in relationships where it was very physically abusive to them. One of them married someone because she was afraid that no one else would ask her. And and from the time, from the first day they were married, he physically abused her. She had three small children with him, and the youngest one was born autistic and also mentally ill, and only as he started to grow up did she see what he was going through, and it made her want to get out of that marriage. And only after she got out of that marriage did she end up going to school and getting into social work and working in home, well, shelters for women who were abused. But she really thinks that she can, even though she's never really had training as a therapist, she really believes that she can counsel people on how to get out of domestic violent relationships. But just because you experienced yourself and just because you went through psychotherapy does not give you the expertise on how to help someone. And someone else I know, she basically married her husband because he was the, because she felt he wanted her. And she grew up in a home where after her parents had 
their first child. They were told not to have any more children because they didn't believe the mother could handle it. And after a few years, the mother wanted another child. Father loved her so much, he agreed to have another child. And within months of having that second child, she ended up in a hospital because she could not handle it. And the father did not know how to raise two children alone. And because she was always shuttled between aunts and uncles and felt unwanted, even though her father and her brother and even a friend were telling her that it's not to go through with the marriage. And she still went through with it because she felt that he was the only one that wanted her. And there was a lot of abuse that went on there through things that she had told me. And she really had very, very low self-esteem because of her experiences as a child. And very much struggled to get through school and had very poor eyesight and a lot of other things going on. And she recently passed away at 87, but she pulled some things on me that I didn't appreciate because she knew that I grew up with a disability. It came from a family that was very negative and only had a, an income or a guaranteed income based on SSI. Not that I didn't work, but that I didn't pay into Social Security because most of the jobs that I had were basically low-paying jobs. And as you have a low-paying job, it's very difficult to support yourself and grow a business at the same time. So I struggled until I was able to take my business online. And for a lot of reasons, because of what happened to me, growing up in a family that I had a father that was very physically abusive and a mother that was very verbally and emotionally abusive, because that's what they experienced in their homes. They did not know how to love anyone. They did not have to know how to show affection. And it really affected their children because none of us ever got married. And I have a sister that just turned 73 that really has no goals, has no concept of how to take care of herself. And, and all she was, and the only issue she has is that she's deaf. But because she, she was constantly being told, you can't live on your own, you can't think for yourself, you can't. she has no concept of what a good relationship is. Now, the third book is You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. With more than 50 million copies sold, You Can Heal Your Life was has hit the New York Times bestseller list two times. The first time back when it was first published in 1984, and then two decades later, there was a revived interest 
after Louise Hay had been on the Oprah show. Louise talks about her story and how she overcame her own sense of victimhood and challenges. She teaches unconditional love and how emotions can create the kind of life that you really desire. People don't want to struggle, or, or rather, here's what we need to say. This top book in self-help improvement is readily received because there are so many people who struggle with emotional and physical suffering. The title, You Can Heal Your Life, appeals to people at their pain level. People don't want to struggle with emotional and physical pain. So Louise teaches how they can journey to wholeness through various techniques and disciplines, such as affirmations. Louise teaches about the laws of attraction and how life attracts life. What you put your focus on, you get more so. So she encourages readers to focus on positive things and recite positive affirmations as often as possible. Book also talks about disease as a result of one state of mind. She teaches that at the very root, many people do not feel themselves worthy or they're not enough. She encourages them to forgive themselves and others and allow healing to come at a deep level. Hay goes on to share her philosophy and the basis of her beliefs. Though a journey of self-help discovery, Louise assures readers that becoming whole is certainly possible. If you're seeking a journey to discover more about yourself and experience more peace and happiness, check out these top books for self-improvement. And the other thing that I want to talk about is that Eric Byrne wrote two books, the one being Games People Play and the other one being More Games People Play. Because think about it. When two people get together and one wants to be dominant over the other, what happens? Or there's the, the expression, oh, I can do that, but. So it's yes, but. Oh, yes, I can do that. But here's the excuse for why I can't. And there's other games like little things like that which you do, and it all falls back onto what you believe you're capable of, how you can succeed, how you can turn things around, how you can learn to believe in yourself and choose the kinds of things that you want in life and the way that, that you can succeed because happiness comes from within you. You can be in a group and people can say things and they can be very hurtful. And what happens is you internalize that. 
and those are the things that you fear, and then you feel sad and unhappy, and you really kind of act into or believe those things, and it keeps you, it, what it's doing is, is causing you to put the brakes on every time you set a goal and start working for it, instead of trying to overcome it and realize it is what it is, but it's not what is affecting you or how you can take control of your life. Because whether you're looking at it from the laws of attraction, whether you're looking at it from the modality of transactional analysis or psychodrama, it all basically comes down to the same thing. You have to reprogram your thoughts to learn to believe in yourself, to accept that you can achieve the goals that you set for yourself. And the last thing that I want to talk about is that if you go to my website, com, it's a membership site. And in that membership site, you have access to take I think I have like 20 or 25 courses that already active there, and I'm working on another seven. And one of the ones that I'm working on is how to declutter your mind, because when you declutter your mind, then you open up to accept and see things that you wouldn't ordinarily do. 